that's okay. I had a mum moment. I didn't know how to turn the mic on. Blonde, mum, whatever. If the mic was on longer, I would have just said, can we just keep singing that song? I don't know about you, but the presence of God is something pretty amazing and I never want to take it for granted because he's a good God and we're going to be worshipping him forever. So get ready. Great to see you all in church today. It's Mum's Day. Happy Mother's Day. If you're a first-time mum, if you're a long-time mum, happy Mother's Day. And you know what? Sometimes people can get really sad on a day like today because I've been around a few years now. I'm still quite young though, really. And people can get hurt and upset. And... um, because, you know, they have been able to be a mum or things haven't turned out the way they want to. But, you know, just celebrate it in what it's meant to today. And, and you know, just ring your mum if you've got one and say, I love you. Or say something to someone that you love them. And you know what? We're not going to make it about us today. We're going to make it about someone else. So just do that because I know I love you all, all of you that are here. And um, just want you to have a special day. But if you are a mum, I hope you've got spoilt. Um, Sunday mornings aren't ideally a good morning for my kids to make me breakfast in bed. I'm not saying I wouldn't have loved it. I would have. But asking them to get up before five is probably not on their to-do list today. But when my daughter got up, and I could tell she'd just woken up, you can sit down. I'll call you back. Or Joe, you've got the code. Um, and I could see she'd just gotten up, and the first words out of her mouth was, Mum, can I make you breakfast? And of course I was going to say, yes, I'd love a toasted ham and cheese sandwich. I already had in my mind what I wanted and everything. So um, it was delicious. So thank you, Mariah. And thank you all my children. I love you all. Okay, so as many of you would know, I'm a mum to four beautiful children. Come September, I will have a son in love. And... I have made room in my heart to welcome others along the way. We welcomed Luke in when he was about 14 or 15 and Carlos is welcomed in. There's lots welcomed in. in. I don't want to miss anyone. You're all welcome in. If you need a mum, come to me. I'll give you a cuddle today. Um, My message today was actually inspired by my son Joshua. A couple weeks ago, he heard this podcast by Jensen Franklin and it was called Pass It On. And the message, I don't know why I'm feeling emotional, because I really didn't feel emotional. Um, The message was about what are we passing on to our children? And he said, oh, you'll be really encouraged by that, mum. So he was speaking about what we pass on to our children and the things that Josh has always said. um, You know, when the kids were growing up, Rob always left home at six o'clock in the morning But he always had his quiet time before that. But the kids were not awake at that time. So he would go to work and then I'd get up and have my quiet time. And then the children would usually be getting up. And so they would obviously see me have my quiet time. And so Josh said, I always saw you have your quiet time in the mornings, mum. And you always had Christian music in the car. Now, one of the reasons I always had Christian music on in the car is because I was brought up in the 1970s Christian And if anyone grew up in the 1970s, we were actually taught that listening to the radio was sin. Listening to non-Christian songs was bad. So we were having our staff meeting on Wednesday morning and 
people were talking about having bonfire and burning different records. Yes, I burnt Alvin and the Chipmunks. You got it. That's about as ruthless as I got. But my heart was convicted, so on it went. But so we all live different lives, clearly. Some people might not even know what I've just said then about a 1970s Christian. Happy to have a cup of tea with one happy to have a cup of tea with you one day and fill you in on all of my stories. So my message today is going to be called, If My Journey Could Teach You Anything. So today's message will be highly applicable, and I want to tell you how I deal with challenges in my life that I seem to face on a daily basis. And I want to tell you what some of the not negotiables are in my life. All of us live in a real world. We all deal with real people. And if you apply some of these principles that I'm going to tell you about to your life... It's going to help you with parenting, it'll help you with relationships, and it's going to help you know what to build your life on. So that'll bring me to my first point today. And the first one is, I've definitely got it off. The first one is building on a solid foundation. That is the first thing I've had to do. And it says in Matthew 27 to 24... It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a rock, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I don't know about any of you, but it actually takes work and effort to build on hard ground. You ask anybody who is building a house on rock and you ask them how much extra money it costs them for their footings and foundations. I was thinking of you, don't worry, Roxanne. And in Port Lincoln, there's a lot of limestone that you don't even realise there, but I tell you what, when they go to dig that foundation, they find it. I'm telling you, the same is found with your Christian faith. Building on a rock takes hard work. Nothing comes easy and there is a price to pay. You've got to know that right up front. Now, Leanna did tell me this picture was Photoshopped, but I don't care. It's good for the illustration. (laughs) Build on sand, however, and there too has a price. It's the price of not lasting. If we have that attitude in life, oh well, doesn't matter, you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble. Have you ever heard people say to you, you're so lucky, if only I had your life? And it's funny, this is a Mark Calverley saying, the harder, it's funny how the harder I work, the luckier I get. But do you know what? You tell Mark, it's actually a scripture. And it is found in Proverbs 21 verse 5. It says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Guess what that is? Building on a solid foundation. This is my favourite scripture at the moment. Ask my kids, yeah, they're all nodding. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Guess what that is? 
build on the sand, come crashing down. So we can see clearly that God actually wants us building on a solid foundation. Now, we're going to be skipping through these pretty quick because there's a couple I want to get through today. But if you want any more understanding, come and talk to me. I'm happy to tell you. I love talking. The next one that we're going to go through is we need to live with spiritual discipline. In Proverbs 12.1, Proverbs, my favourite book in the Bible, it says, to learn, you must love discipline. To learn, you must love discipline. Discipline's not a smack. I used to think that was a smack when I was a kid to be disciplined. Discipline is not a bad word. It's your friend for life. Now, you might think, what are these books sitting up here? This is actually what the side of my bed looks like. You ask my husband, he'll vouch for it. I actually, I've actually bought this book. This is no joke. Disciplines of a Godly Woman. I, I actually chose that to read that myself. Someone didn't give me that. I, I actually bought that. I, I want to tell you the kind of things that I need in my life as a spiritual discipline. Joyce Meyer's new Bible, The Battlefield of the Mind. This tells us a lot of rubbish at times. Listen to what this book says. So I need disciplines. Someone, someone gave me this book, Leading and Loving It. I didn't actually read that book for a while because maybe I wasn't loving leading, but that's by my bed again. Fervent. These are just my latest ones. This is a book about prayer because I want prayer to be a big part of my life. And Wake Up to the Word. They're just my new ones that I've just recently bought. Rob always says, do you need so many books? Well, I'm going to get to them all. But anyway, so discipline is not a bad word. And it's just not about reading, big part, reading the Bible. But we, to learn, we need to love discipline. So I need to have a disciplined life. But then we read this one in Hebrews 12, 11, and it says, but no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards... There will be a peaceful harvest oh, of right living for those who are trained in its way. I think that kind of tells us we've got to do some training. So what are, the, what are those training things we probably need to do to have a disciplined life? I'll just tell you the, the things that I've, I found helpful for me. And I'll just tell you what spiritual disciplines are and what they're not. So spiritual disciplines are personal or interpersonal. So that means when we pray, we pray by ourselves and we also pray corporately. So there's two things there. Spiritual disciplines are actually activities. They are not attitudes, but they are practices that we practice doing. They are things we do and they are not character qualities. Just because someone's got a character of a nice, quiet person... It doesn't mean they're spiritually disciplined. So they're disciplines that we can all learn to do. So when we say it's something we need to do, reading the Bible is something I do. Meditate on scripture is something I do. When I pray, fast, worship, serve, when I'm learning, these are all things that I do. And you know what the Bible says? All my stuff comes from the Bible. I've got no good ideas myself. It says 1 Timothy 4, 7, discipline yourself 
for the purpose of godliness. So if it's for the purpose of godliness, it means we'd have to discipline ourselves. When we apply spiritual disciplines to our lives, it's not as much as doing, listen to me, as it is being. Because Jesus wants us to be more like him. So we need to put those practices in place, but we need to say we want to do this to be more like you. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, this is why we need to read the Bible. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realise what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do the right thing. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good word. So I'm telling you this morning, he is wanting to prepare and equip us to live for him. So if the discipline you're doing is not in here, it's not a spiritual discipline. I'm just letting you know. And you know what? We've got to be careful that we're not like the Pharisees either because they were so careful to do all the little things like tithes of every little bit of thing that they grew in the ground or, or they remembered that um, or when they were fasting, you know, they'd kind of let people know that their faces were drawn in and, oh, gee, look at what we're doing. He doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to say we're doing this because we want to be more like you, God. I want to tell you about a spiritual discipline that I applied to my life probably about 18 years ago. And sometimes you actually don't even realise there's stuff there that you could probably change and adjust. So we were at a church and I think they were kind of like doing a 40 days of prayer and fasting. So they weren't saying you had to fast for 40 days, but he said, just go without something that you like. So I thought to myself, I'm going to go without every TV show that I like watching. Now, we're talking 18 years ago. All my children were little. And I hate to say, I actually enjoyed watching TV shows. I could actually tell you the shows I watched. And I remember if I wasn't home, I would record it. Does anyone record shows if they're not home? Do people actually do that? You can just watch it on Netflix and stuff like that now. So... I actually realised that maybe I was addicted to some of those TV shows and I just decided in that time of prayer and fasting, I was going to watch no TV shows that I like watching. So I'd still watch the news. So if the wiggles were on, I didn't turn it off because I obviously didn't like watching them. But any TV show I like watching, I didn't watch it. I can really honestly say to you now that there is no TV show that I'm addicted to. And if I begin to watch something and I think I want to watch that tomorrow night, I stop watching it because I don't want TV to be an addiction in my life. The only addiction I want in my life is God. And I'm not saying that I'm hero because your thing might not be TV, but it might be something else. You know, there's, there's all things that want to take the place that God is saying, come with me, spend time with me. I want to be with you. That was just for me. Because this is what God says. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the same way. 
So this morning, we've spoken about building on the rock, build on a solid foundation. We spoke about that we need to have spiritual disciplines in our life. Do you want to know what the next point is? Being honest. People can handle the truth. They can. In other words, what I want to talk about is bringing the light of God onto a situation where things can be dealt with in the right manner. You ask any kid who's in bed in the dark, they see all sorts of things out that bedroom window. In the dark, everyone looks like they're jumping through their window. Every swaying branch looks like someone's jumping through the window. That cute little teddy bear doesn't look like a cute little teddy bear in the dark. Clearly, a lot of you have never had any children. You're going. <sighs> I've had four little kids. And, oh, Daddy, you're dark. What I'm saying is, the truth is when you turn on the light, there's no one jumping through the window. It's a branch outside. There's nothing in that toy box. It's just your toys. Because things look different when we're not having the light of God. I'm, I'm, I'm applying these things spiritually. When we let the light shine on it, it actually isn't maybe what it needs to be or we're able to unpack things for what they need to be. You know, for my life personally, what I want to live by, we just don't say words at this church. When we say things like real, raw and relevant, that's what I want my life to be. I want to, because I actually don't know any other way to live. Because if you want me to be so, something different, well, you, you'll, you'll kill me spiritually, I guess. Um, when I'm personally going through a hard time, I retreat and I withdraw. It's probably the way I try and protect myself. But what God wants us to do is when we go through those things, he actually wants us to come and bring it to him. As if he doesn't know. But we think we're going to be good enough to protect ourselves. You know, this week, as all of you know, I am married to the most amazing man. Absolutely. But I'm letting you know that there are issues that Pastor Rob and myself need to deal with in our marriage from time to time. I know that's hard to believe. That's just real. We do. And I remember on Wednesday morning, so the scenario goes like this. Rob did something that hurt me. He was fine with it. He said sorry. For some reason that sorry didn't cut it for me. For some reason, I don't know. So I'm, I'm holding on to this hurt, smiling in front of the kids, of course, because I'm a good actor too at times, um, but deep down wanting him to know I'm still not happy with him. I know none of you do that. Wednesday morning came and Rob's going to the early morning prayer meeting and he goes, oh, let's pray before I go. And now I'm going straight away. The Holy Spirit did this to me. Oh, you're going to pray now, are you? Because I knew any word that I said out my mouth was just words now. Now I have to forgive him. Because how can I pray and let God really hear my words when I've been holding, he never had the problem. He didn't. Clearly, I did. So, this is what the Bible says we're to do. 
So this is why I had to do it. Mark 11, verse 25. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your, hev- your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So I had to say to Rob, after our staff meeting, I held on to it till after the staff meeting going, you know that thing, yeah, I'm sorry. You're forgiven. Don't be worried. I had to do it for me. But can I tell you, as Christians, some people squash that and squash that and squash that till they don't even hear that voice anymore. And I do not want to live like that. Matthew's going to come up and preach with me next. I don't want to live my life like that. I want to live my life letting the Holy Spirit keep talking to me and tapping me on the shoulder to say, "Uh uh-uh, don't live like that. This is what the study part in my Bible says. Forgiving others is tough work. Do we want to build on the solid rock? So much so that many people would rather do something totally distasteful than offer forgiveness to someone who has wronged them. For a person to pray while bearing a grudge, however, is like a tree sprouting leaves and bearing no fruit. From the distance you look lovely. True faith changes the heart. Real prayer dismantles pride and vengeance, filling the holes with love. Real faith seeks peace. For our church to have prayer power, there must be harmony and forgiveness evident in the body of believers. Let go of hurt, abandon grudges and forgive others. And our church is built on Ephesians 4. So it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger and harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Instead, this is how we're to be, Ephesians 4, one heart believers, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. There's power there right now. So for me, I knew in a moment if I was having a disciplined life and the Holy Spirit taps me on the shoulder, I needed to forgive Rob. I'm sorry to say that I held on to that grudge for a couple days more than I needed to. And you know what? That is sin. That is sin. And that's why Christ came and he died for me. Gabriel says all the times when people hurt her, this is what Gabriel does. I think it's a great idea. If I remember, I'm going to do it sometimes if something's really bothering me that I can't let go of. If someone has hurt her, she writes the note on a piece of paper, puts it in the sink, lights a match and burns it. Because you know what? Jesus puts it in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be known again. She said there was this one grudge that she was really struggling with and she said she she nearly used a whole box of matches trying to light that thing so that it would burn up. I'm saying do what it takes. Get rid of it. Learn to forgive. Because I'm telling you as a church... We need to learn to let the light of God shine on what is really going on. You all need to know that Pastor Rob and myself are not mind readers. We do have the Holy Spirit, but sometimes you need to say, this is tough. Can we have someone pray with us? You know, help us through this. You know, sometimes problem shared is a problem half. So I'm saying we've got to learn to be a church family that come around together.
Okay, I love the Bible as you can see. John, 1 John 1, 5 to 9 talks about living in the light. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Thank you, Jesus. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us from all sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. We will just do one more scripture to add to our foundation. Now, this next scripture that I'm going to read, I hear at weddings, I hear at funerals, I hear everywhere, and I'm saying we need to apply these as a Christian. And it's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. Love is patient and kind. This is to add to our solid foundation, guys. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith and is always hopeful and endures through every circumstances. It says three things will last forever, faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. Do you know why it's talking in the scripture about faith, hope and love? Faith is the foundation and the content of God's message. So there needs to be a starting point. We're talking about building on a solid foundation. That's why we need the faith. Hope is the attitude and the focus. So it's how we do something and then there has to come an action, which is love. That's why it always says faith, hope and love and the greatest is love. There is always action required. It's always something we need to be doing when it comes to love. As we close this morning, we're going to finish with motherly love. And I found a divinely beautiful story in the Bible that you probably all know about, but I just feel it's really apt for the last couple of minutes to share about this lady. Her story is found in Samuel chapter 1. I haven't got the slide of the scripture because I'm going to read her story as it's found in Mothers of the Bible. And we're talking about a lady called Hannah. It was only 15 miles, but every year the journey to Ramah to worship at the tabernacle in Shiloh seemed longer. At home, Hannah found ways to avoid. Sort of couldn't do it. Hannah found ways to avoid her husband's second wife, but once in Shiloh, there was no escaping her taunts. Hannah felt like a leaky tent in a driving rain, unable to defend herself against the harsh weather of the other woman's heart. Even Elkanah's arms around her provided no shelter. Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? 
don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Yes, she has given me children, but it's you I love. Ignore her taunts. How can Hannah make him understand that even the best men could not ease a woman's longing for children? His attempts at comforting her only sharpened the pain, heightening her sense of isolation. Hannah stood for a long time in the tabernacle weeping and praying. Her lips moved without making a sound as her heart poured out grief to God. O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant and give her a son, then she will give him to the Lord for the days of his life and no razor will be used on his head. The priest Eli was used to people coming to Shiloh to celebrate the feasts, eating and drinking more than they should. Watching Hannah from his chair by the doorpost of the temple, he wondered why her shoulders were shaking, her lips moving without making a sound. She must be drunk, he concluded. So he interrupted her silent prayer with a rebuke. How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah defended herself. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of great anguish and grief. Satisfied by her explanation, Eli blessed her saying, May the God of Israel grant your request. Early the next morning, Hannah and Elkanah returned to their home in Ramah, where Hannah at last conceived. Soon she held against her shoulder the tiny child she had yearned for, the son she had dedicated to God. After Samuel was weaned, she took him to Eli at Shiloh. Hannah surrendered her child to the priest's care. Now, we're not actually going to talk about the whole story. I just actually want to talk about Hannah and a mother's love. In the study part of my Bible, when they spoke about that story, for Hannah to do what she promised, she gave up what she wanted most, her son, and presented him to Eli to serve in the house of the Lord. In dedicating her only son to God, Hannah was dedicating her entire life and future to God because Samuel's life was from God. Hannah was not really giving him up. Rather, she was returning him to God who, has given, who was given to her in the first place. This story actually tells us about the gifts that God really wants from our life. So often we think, well, he should be happy. We pay our tithe. We come to church on a Sunday morning. But sometimes those gifts don't cost us very much. Here Hannah was saying, God, give me a son and I'll give him to you to serve the rest of his days. Samuel was probably about three years old because they say that was the custom in the, you know, that was the custom in that time of when they stopped feeding them. And when Hannah left him at the tabernacle, she said, I am giving him to the Lord. And what Hannah meant was she was dedicating Samuel to God for a lifetime of service. But what I want you to remember is she didn't forget about her son. 
because there's this one scripture that when I see this, if you've got a heart like me as a mother, you'll see more into it too. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 2, 18 and 19. And if you go on to read the story of Samuel and the powerful man that he became through one woman's obedience, powerful, brave lady. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. Each year, his mother made him a small coat and brought it to him when she and her husband came for the sacrifice. Do you see that each year when they came to the temple, Hannah brings Samuel a bigger jacket. For me, that symbolises a mother's love. You always need a jacket that fits. If your clothes are too small, you won't wear them. You'll be busting out. And if something is too big, you can always roll up the sleeve and you're going to fit into it. So for this mother, she was always looking forward like, I wonder how much he's going to grow this year. She would have been putting all the love that she could have into that stitching because it's her way of giving something to her son every year. She knew, we know, that that gift cost her a lot. So this morning, if my journey could teach you anything, I want you to keep building your life on a solid foundation. I want you to live with a spiritually disciplined life. Like Hebrews 12:11 said, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. You know how I said about watching the TV? I don't even know how I'd have time to watch TV now. But sometimes you have to get those little things right then to prepare you for what you've got to be doing now. And I, I just wrote in here that I felt like the Holy Spirit told me yesterday, parents, don't give up putting effort in with your children. And remember, they are always watching you. They are seeing how you handle life. They are seeing who you turn to and who you put your trust in. That's why we need to be doing those things. Always remember the golden rule. And it says, do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you. You can turn it off now, that's fine. And the other thing we need to do is forgive quickly. So I'm just going to close in prayer and hand over to Pastor Rob. So loving Father, I just thank you for the words that you've so lovingly spoken to me. And I just want to pray over all your precious people here today. And I just pray that every area that they're going through or they're concerned with, that we can give every concern over to you, loving Father. Because you are a good God. You are a God who cares. And you are the God who saves. We want to tell you that we love you. And we thank you for your love is never ending on us. In your precious name.